So, a bit of an anecdote before I really begin here. <laughs> I, uh, I usually look up a little bit just what the next several episodes are whenever I'm working on these. And just to give myself an idea of what I'm going for. Part of what I tend to do when I do these ruminations is I tend to have some thoughts with regards to the game, movie, or show before I even sit down and replay, watch, or analyze it, right? <clears throat> so, you know, for example, I look up and I say, well, the Omega Directive is next. Well, uh, do I have anything to say about the Omega Directive in advance? And I think about topics and things I feel are worth discussing before I even watch it, therefore uh, giving me some extra ammunition, basically, to, to fill up my videos and, and to discuss with you guys. So I go look ahead and I see the episode Unforgettable, and I can't help it, and I swear I didn't do this on purpose, but my first thought is, I don't remember that episode. <clears throat> I'm dead serious, though. I couldn't remember it. And so I'm like, okay, hang on. Let me actually look it up. Look it up. Didn't look that familiar. Didn't look that familiar. Oh, that episode! It took me a minute to actually recognize it. To repeat this, I talked to Pax, who has uh, watched Voyager as recently as last year, is when he went through the series, for the first time, I might add, for the only time he's watched Voyager. And I was like, so you remember the episode Unforgettable, to which he automatically responded, no. And then I described it for him, and he's like, uh, vaguely? <laughs> because, and again, it is ironic, but this is an episode that is a very forgettable episode, and I mean no pun in that. And it's very obvious why. I feel like I just talked about this because I just talked about Insurrection not too long ago, by my perspective. By your perspective, according to my calendar, uh, that was about one, two, three, a little over three weeks ago. So, forgive me for the repetition. But the reason this episode fails can be summarized by one simple problem. Romance of the week. Let me back up a bit before I get into that, because I am going to go and discuss that here, especially for those of you who didn't really watch the Insurrection thing. Um... Something caught my attention when I was doing research about this episode. Robert Beltran, the gentleman who plays Chakotay, went out of his way to say this was his favorite episode in all of Voyager. That's stuck in my brain. I've seen Beltran do some good stuff. Every now and again, they actually give him decent lines, decent material. And I've pointed it out. Excuse me, pointed it out as we've been going through the series where he's been doing some good stuff. So why this episode? Why is this the one that really stuck out for him? <clears throat> So I went and rewatched it and really had analysis mode on. And I have my answer. It's actually really obvious. It's because it's really apparent that Robert Beltran poured his heart out into his presentation, into his performance. He actually did a surprisingly good job of, of uh, what my sister refers to as puppy love. In other words, new love. I'm sure most of you out there know, know what that feels like. You know, there's there's so many different stages of romantic entanglement, aren't there? There's there's the fly, the, the shy flirtations. There's the excitement of interest. There's the fact that they're interested back, and then there's that initial period of you like them, they like you. You've both agreed to be together, and everything's amazing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Puppy love, right? <clears throat> and then there's stages past that. We won't get into that right here. So Chicote, Robert Beltran, I should say actually does a really good presentation of that. And it makes sense why he does. Beltran himself went on record as saying that he was portraying someone who had fallen in love again, but without memory of the first time. So it was effectively the first time he had grown to have these feelings. So again, that initial stage of romantic entanglement, that puppy love era. And it really showed in the general 
lightness of his whole body language is amazing he does a great job of, of portraying this like his steps are just a little bit lighter and he's got just a little bit more energy and a little bit more spring behind him and it's not overt he doesn't go around going la 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 but it's just subtle enough to feel forgive me for putting it bluntly real he sold that performance for me and so i give huge props to beltran for his performance in this episode that cannot overcome, however, the massive problems this episode has. First of all, the, the script is acceptable. There's really nothing wrong with the script. And the character interactions are good stuff. I, I like the Seven and Harry scene, for example, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I also really enjoy the... Uh, the interactions with the uh, alien race, whose name I can't even think of, you know, the Tracers or whatever, the, the people they're from. I was actually strongly reminded of the Aldeans from uh, when the bow breaks over on Next Generation. You know, the ancient Atlantis people of incredibly advanced technology who are super, uh, you know, isolationist, that kind of a thing. <clears throat> it also made me think. One of the things I've heard talked about amongst fans of this show is how ludicrous it was that they would have such incredible technology as to be able to erase all memory or recognition of them biologically, chemically, technologically, you know, in every way they could just erase all presence of their existence. That seemed ludicrous, yet actually, believe it or not, that's one of the only things I'm really willing to give this episode as far as the premise. The reason why is the very simple concept of technological... Focus and stagnation. It's it's a weird concept, and I'm using the wrong term, so I'm just going to try and describe it. If you are a technologically advanced race, and you focus so much of your effort onto A, you will advance overall, because there's, tech, you, there's no such thing as a tech level. I, I mean, there is, but the point is... I've talked about this before. You, you don't just get better at science, right? There's so many different fields of science. Just because you're slightly more advanced or more advanced than another species in A, B, or C does not actually make you more advanced than in D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, or L because there's so many different fields of advancement, right? One of the unique things about the Federation is due to the nature of their makeup, the d uh, democratic existence, the fact that there's the pseudo-paradise situation. Most people who become researchers or developers uh, you know, research and development team do so because they want to, so they have an enthusiasm for it. So whatever field they're pushing, you know, whether it be warp drive or uh, sublight drive or trans communication or transportation or whatever it is, they probably want to be in that field. So they're putting forth their best. So the Federation is one of the rare examples where all technology tends to float up at the same rate. Most, I would argue they're the only race that do that. Most of the races get really good at a few specific fields and everything else just kind of follows in, follows behind. So the idea that there's a race out there which is incredibly good at specific forms of computer programming uh, in order to create these viruses that erase uh, memory, uh, memories of them and, and records of them, the fact that they get really good at genetic engineering or the fact that they get good at the, the, the pheromones thing, the ability to affect other people's neuro, neurochemical uh, makeup, that kind of a thing, that makes sense to me. Especially given we kind of see that other than those, those things that they're good at, they're actually really primitive, technologically speaking, in just about every other way. Now, we only get a few hints of that, but that is true. Oh, also, pretty good cloaking devices. Not perfect, which is good. <laughs> uh, in fact, according to my uh, record, last week I talked about how much uh, perfect uh, cloaking devices pissed me off. Cough, cough, nemesis. <laughs> but the point remains, right? <clears throat> so I'm okay with that. But I also find the very cultural ideology 
fascinating. The concept of a, an entire species that tries to force stagnation upon itself. And that is what it is. Let's be honest with ourselves. If I've talked before about the idea of groupthink. I've talked before about the idea of everyone has to agree with the same thing or the idea of common thoughts growing to an extreme. I talked about this when it came to the Voth earlier. Remember that? In uh, the Distant Origin episode? So... What we have here is an entire society that is trying to enforce groupthink, trying to limit interaction outside of the bubble, to make sure that everyone is part of the same community and everyone's sharing thoughts in this community, which means naturally, by the way societal interactions work, it will eventually basically all even out, except for the occasional outliers, and the outliers are the people who run. One of the gentlemen in the actual episode mentions that only a few handful of people, in a matter of millions, actually try to flee. And that is not statistically, you know, a problem, as Chakotay tried to po point out otherwise. But I agree with the guy. That is not a problem. Those are the outliers. Most people probably are totally okay with being in the groupthink, just like everyone else is, right? It's horrifying in its own way because it is a form of pacifist fascism. I know that sounds weird, but it really is. It's, it's, a, it's a totalitarian rule thing. But unlike most totalitarian rules, at least we can presume, it is not designed to keep certain people in power, certain people who are above the rules, because that's what most totalitarian, totalitarian, totalitarian rules are about. I want to be better than the rest of you. Everyone else gets down here and oppressed. In this case, the whole society is oppressed, top to bottom. It reminds me a little bit of Logan's Run, a movie that um, is not actually that good, if I can be blunt, in my opinion, of course, but... Nevertheless, the premise behind it is absolutely and engaging and fascinating. It's probably one of the reasons why so many people have heard of it years later, even though the movie wasn't actually that good. Because remember, in Logan's Run, there's no bad guy. There's no oppressive power. There's no uh, older people or authority figures or otherwise elders or you know, dictators who are in charge. It's just the system. And the system perpetuates itself, right? That's what I feel is going on with these people whose names I don't even remember. Uh, that's just my take on it, my impersonation on it, uh, impression of it, but it does seem to hold true. Now, this episode also touches on one other thing that I find uh, at least worthy of minor discussion. Uh, one of the things that's talked about endlessly, and indeed is talked about in real life to this day, is how much of our personality is determined by our memories. If my memory was wiped clean back, say, uh, about 19 years right now, Bam, done. And I have no memory of any of those events, but I still have all the skills and knowledge that I have now, so the ability to function, you know, as, as an adult, well, you know, older adult, would I still be the same person? And the answer is the obvious. We have no idea because we don't know. That's not really a thing that's feasible, and most people who have uh, specific forms of amnesia aren't really a valid test case on that thing. And, and I'm not going to go too much into the, the science of that because the point is we don't know. That is my point. All we can do is speculate. But it's brought up in this episode. This woman and this man both fell in love twice, but not a third time. And that I find interesting, and I think Neelix's closing argument actually really uh, shines a light onto that. And it's one of the only reasons I'm willing to forgive the, the romance of the week. That and the fact that Beltran put in a really good performance. It's the fact that the idea is just because the equation is in the same doesn't mean the output's going to be the same. I know that sounds like a weird statement, but it's true. It's part of that ineffable quality that exists. And, and in fairness, the equation isn't the same. It is impossible for the equation to be the same, because if we think about every variable that goes into societal interaction, even between just two people within the same relative time frame, there are thousands, if not millions, of variables that are different that second time around. 
So that's not actually a, a valid statement in that case. But it goes back to what Harry and Seven were talking about. You know, they need to, there needs to be more than just procreation. And yes, this is another way in which it ties in, if only mildly, to the whole survival versus life thing. And it's basically confined to that one scene. And I'm only bringing it up to mention that it's a continuing thing that's being brought up in different ways throughout the course of this show. It, it's, I swear to God it was done on purpose, because I keep seeing it in the episodes, but I don't think it was. Whatever, moving on. So... I talked about that. I talked about that. God, there's like so few things. Okay, I have one other thing to talk about before I get into the big one. Um, the thing that's funny, and I remember this uh, as I was going through this episode, is I, it kept occurring to me, you know, it's so easy to, to bypass their ability to remove your memories. It's called a pen and paper. In actual fact, in my own D&D campaign, the Primus campaign that, that I was most recently running through, one of the uh, characters actually went out of his way to write a journal on paper so that when his memories would be altered, he would have a differing occurrence of that. Now, I mention that because there is a magical form of basically data pads, you know, sto data storage, that kind of a thing, which uses magic instead of technology, which can be altered just like data pads can. But pen and paper, that's a little harder to, uh, to, to alter or to change. Now, of course, you can always just dispose of it. It's easier to get rid of. But the point being, it would be really easy, relatively speaking, to just carry out a slip of paper and a pen and be like, right, 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 right. And if my memories go away, then yeah. And I like the fact that at the end, uh, Chakotay, of all people, is the one who thinks enough outside the box, the Starfleet box, if I could call it such a thing bluntly, to be able to actually say, and actually write all these experiences down so he can remember them, if even if he can't remember them, if you follow me. And maybe it would be best that way. I mention that because one of the guys says, it's best if nobody ever remembers us. While that may or may not be true, the point that I actually yelled at my screen was, was it's not your choice to make. With regards to the guy, I'm not talking to you guys. But that guy, I was like, it's not his choice to make. It is their choice. And I like the fact that Chakotay went out of his way to choose to remember. Even if it would cause him pain, even if it would cause him grief, that is his choice. I digress. So let's talk about the romance of the week. I'm only going to talk about this briefly. I know this is going to be a short episode. I'm sorry, guys, because I don't have much to say about it. Robert Beltran's great. The episode's kind of crap, and it's a romance of the week. So let's get into it. Oh, I feel like I'm just going to be repeating myself here. If you're going to do... Okay. There are good ways to do Romance of the Week episodes. In actual fact, Voyager is an ep is a series that will do a good Romance of the Week episode uh, in the future. I forget what the name of the episode is, but I'll mention it when we get there. But Romance of the Week is a thing that's been true in television in general. Even ignoring science fiction and Star Trek. It's just been a TV thing for a really long time. And by this point in time, it's just kind of tiresome. By the time Voyager came out, it's just old. Because we know what's going to happen. It's called Romance of the Week for a reason. That love interest is going to be gone next week and probably never mentioned again. There are a few rare occasions where that is not true. Vosh over on uh, TNG is a good example of that, who got, I think, a grand total of three episodes. But anyways, point remaining. For the most part, they come and they go, and that's the end of it. The episodes that I feel are acceptable when it comes to the Romance of the Week are, are the ones that, and I know this is going to sound like a freaking, I'm, I'm a repeating clock here, uh, they do something with it. They actually do something with it, rather than just using it as a lazy way to sex some things up. And this is what irritates me, because I actually remember going in and watching and, and reading uh, the interviews 
from the creators and the, and, the, and the producers and the writers of this episode, right? And they said they had they were laboring under the conclusion that they had to have romance it was required not because they felt it was a natural outgrowth of the show not because they felt it would add to the characterization or add something to it as an artistic work it was simply a bullet point that they needed to checklist to say yes we've done this we're done with it moving on and that was it it meant nothing other than it was mandatory right it might have well been filler and that's why, and so they're like, okay, we need to have, okay, now we need to do a romance with Chakotay. Well, we've decided flatly that Chakotay will not have a romance with Janeway, therefore we have to invent a person, therefore romance of the week, here you go. And that's what irritates me. When the romance of the week is used as a lazy plot device to try and artificially engender drama by including romance to sex things up or to romanticize things up, depending on which perspective or which market you're aiming for, and not actually do anything with it to add to the work. Now, yeah, I know. They're, they've got a job, and I know that in reality land, they, their job is to meet certain qualifications to make sure that money keeps flowing. I get that. But it is, A, possible to meet those qualifications while, again, actually trying to make something good, so it's a part of history, culture, etc., and B, also in reality land, those checklists are things that aren't really mandatory for those things to make money. It is possible to pander, if you want to put it in such a way, or cater, as I prefer to think of it, to audiences without literally just... And the great irony is this is going back to the exact same thing that Seven was talking about. What's the difference if the net result is the, is the same, right? Well, it, it... This goes all the way back to Measure of a Man. Data. He says it perfectly. I, I'm going to paraphrase because I have a bad memory and I'm worthless and stupid. But... Data uh, talks about, he's talking to Maddox, and he says, take games of chance, and Maddox says, games of chance, and, and Data says, yes, I read a treatise of poker, but, you know, I, I, all, those, all those books I read were, did not prepare me for the actual experience of it, and Maddox says what the point is, and Data says, the point is, well, I believe you may be capable of copying the information in my positronic brain, the essence and the flavor of the moment will be lost. Ergo, all this does, all an episode like this does, is preserve the base fundamentals of what could be done in a one-shot romance, in, in order to have romance or sexiness or drama or whatever in an episode. Any of the actual imp strength behind it, any of the emotional connection, any of the physical connection, any of the mental connection, anything that actually means anything is lacking or not there to begin with. Because all it is is that is a bullet point. It's the freaking bullet point thing all over again. I've talked about this so much when it comes to my game videos. This is a bullet point situation all over again. Well, people like A, so go make A. Okay. Bullet point. A bullet point isn't a thing, though. You don't add a bullet point to a thing. You look at a bullet point, and that's there to notate something so you can then expand upon it and grow from that and use that as a jumping point, a starting point, rather than having that be your end goal is to meet that bullet point. That's not good entertainment. And I just realized I'm ranting. I'm sorry. I have a bit of a headache right now. <laughs> I'm mad about this, though, because it's not just lazy writing, and it's not just lazy creating, both of which piss me off. But as I mentioned, Robert, this is Robert Beltran's favorite episode of all of Voyager, and it's easy to see why if you rewatch it. The man acted his heart out. He's not a great actor. He's not Patrick Stewart or anything like that, but the man did a really good job with the tools that were available to him. And in this episode that he poured his heart into, 
was done so they could have a random romance of the week. Check. And that's it. The actor put so much time and effort into something that the creators didn't give a damn about. It's one of the reasons early Enterprise pissed me off so much, because a lot of those actors, uh, Dominic Keenig being a very good example of this, really actually tried to put in good performances. And meanwhile, the creators were just spitting on the characters and not even bothering to try to actually put forth anything resembling good entertainment or art. And that pisses me off. I'm not going to call this a bad episode, but ultimately, and again, I say this with, with lamentation, almost. Not a lamentation, but I say this lamentably. I say this with sadness. This is a very forgettable episode. There's no joke here. This is a very forgettable episode. I almost wonder if the name was done on purpose, because they knew this would just be another, eh, whatever. Next week, next week we look at one of my favorite episodes by memory. Uh, we'll see if that stands up to the test of time. So, see you next time, guys. Strange to see you using those ancient writing implements. Oh, it's the only way I could get a permanent record of what's happened in the last few days. I want to get it down before I forget it all. I'm sorry things didn't work out for you. I've been trying to make sense of it. I fell in love with her twice. I thought she could do the same. We were the same two people on the same ship. Why didn't it happen again? I keep going over and over our last conversation, trying to think if there was something I could have said, could have done. But nothing comes to mind. Commander, I don't think you can analyze love. It's the greatest mystery of all. No one knows why it happens or doesn't. Love is a chance combination of elements. Any one thing might be enough to keep it from igniting. A mood, a glance, a remark. And if we could define love, predict it, it would probably lose its power.